So I'm going to tell you a story about August 31st, 2013, and it's the state that's 150 years in the making. I just signed a executive order that is our city's last action to accept control of the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department from the state of Missouri. The shorthand that we use for this action is local control, as in, as of August 31st, 2013, the city of St. Louis had gotten direct control over the SLMPD rather than it being controlled by the state of Missouri. This is something that Mayor Francis Slay had really pushed for for years. To give you a hint as to why this executive order was necessary, we've got to take a brief detour into history. State control is this vestige of the Civil War. It's a hedge that was signed into law in March 1861 by this secessionist-minded governor who didn't want the SLMPD to turn against the Confederacy. The law created this five-member board of police commissioners that were appointed by the governor. It eventually gets amended so that the mayor of the city is one of those five members. But when the Civil War ended, the board of police commissioners didn't. So over the years, city lawmakers in Jefferson City would introduce legislation eliminating the Board of Police Commissioners. They never really went anywhere. The closest supporters got was in 2011. And that's when Slay makes this vow at a rally pushing for local control. I will promise the governor that if we get local control back to the people of St. Louis, we will not, we will not use our department against the Confederacy. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for So in 2012, there's this ballot initiative that's on the ballot statewide, and it passes with these huge margins. And that's how Mayor Slate finally gets control of his police department back. And then with a stroke of a pen, on a sweltering August Saturday, he reverses 152 years of history. This day will be remembered long after my time as mayor is over. It was too long in coming. The mayor called this executive order a victory for anyone who believes in self-rule, But he says that the change also has these practical consequences. Local control will make us better, much better at our core mission, which is keeping the residents, the visitors, and neighborhoods of this great city safe. Crime statistics are one of those things that, like snow removal, can really make or break a mayor's legacy. This is The Millennium Mayor, an exploration of Francis Slay's legacy in St. Louis. I'm your host, Rachel Lipman. And for this episode, guys, it's all me. I've got the task of trying to unpack how well the mayor did at keeping a city safe. So when he talks about crime, Slay has always recognized that it doesn't happen equally throughout the city. Like, he'll put police everywhere they're needed, and those police are always going to be out on the street. But he knows that you're not going to need the same number of officers in a pretty safe area as you might in one that's not as safe. And back in his early years, when homicides got to lows that hadn't been seen in the city since the 1960s, he really focused his strategy on targeting people. This is what he told St. Louis on the Air's Mike Sampson back in 2004. Why do you suppose it is that the number is down? Is this a blip or is this something that you actually can control? No, it is something you can control. Uh, And the way we've been able to do it is using technology and strategies to go after the bad guys. Mm. Because what we know is that a disproportionate share of violent crime is committed by Uh, a smaller number of people. So there are fewer people committing a larger number of crimes. And later on in his term, this strategy would evolve into targeting troubled neighborhoods or so-called hotspot policing. The mayor explained it this way in 2012. When we focus the resources on where the crime is occurring at the time the crime is occurring, 
uh, we were getting very good results. Uh, this is uh, in, a, in a form of hot spot policing. This idea of flooding an area of the city with officers is the strategy in place when the mayor signs that local control executive order in 2013. Sam Dotson is the chief by then. By the way, before he was picked to lead the SLMPD, Dotson spent 18 months at City Hall as the mayor's operations director. For Dotson, hotspot policing is really the place where this crime fighting and local control can merge. As the police department clears out the bad guys, the city departments, other city departments, come in and really try and bolster the good guys. What you saw since I've taken office and working with Mayor Slay and his administration is not only the enforcement piece of it, but the city service piece of it. And so as we would go into a neighborhood and arrest individuals that were committing crime, as we were weeding the bad portion of the neighborhood out, the city services came in behind us and did some seating. I believe that this, this form of governance will create a synergy between the police department and city government like we haven't seen in St. Louis before. And then Dotson said this to reporters who had gathered to watch the signing of that local control executive order. Obviously, during campaigns, mayors talk about crime. They talk about what they're doing to keep their city safe. Now, the mayor of the city of St. Louis is directly responsible for the police department and directly responsible, not one of five votes, but directly responsible for keeping the people of the city of St. Louis safer. Now, whether he knew it or not, the chief was really echoing his new boss there. That was one of Mayor Slay's most consistent arguments for local control. I mean, when something goes wrong, I'm the one sitting at the microphone answering the questions. I've never seen any of the governors um, stand in front of the camera and say, this is our department, this is what we're going to do to fix it, this is what we're going to do to improve it, and it just, it just doesn't happen. That's what's wrong with the system. Every year, the mayor would say the same thing. The city pays the bills for the police department, but the department doesn't report to anyone in the city. So finally in 2013, Slay can speak the words he's wanted to. But after 152 years, we have secured justice for the people of St. Louis and for everyone who believes in self-rule. So it's 2013. Slay gets that local control. And remember the promise he made? He said, Local control will make us better, much better at our core mission, which is keeping the residents, the visitors, and neighborhoods of this great city safe. So let's look at how well that local control experiment is doing. And to do that, we have to look at crime stats. There's a couple of things to keep in mind when using those numbers. First, even when he was just one of five members on the Board of Police Commissioners, Mayor Slay could push for different crime-fighting strategies, and he did. The second thing to remember is that crime is always cyclical. There are always a bunch of things out there going on that the mayor and the police cannot impact, no matter who's in charge of the department. So if you look at the numbers, success is kind of mixed. Since 2001, overall crime, and that's something that measures everything from homicides to getting your license plate tabs stolen, is down by more than half. Violent crime goes down during those 16 years as well, though not as dramatically. But when you look at homicides, which is kind of the granddaddy of them all, that's the crime that everyone likes to talk about, those numbers have gone up between 2012 and 2016, from 113 to 120 to 159 to 188. Sort of begs the question, now that low control has taken effect, has it really helped in the f crime fighting mission? And I'd say the evidence is to the contrary. That's Jeff Rorta, and he's the business manager of the St. Louis Police Officers Association. It's really hard to decide how much of that is, is low control falling on its face and how much of it is just a national, um, you know, 
climate we're in right now where, where violent crime has been on the rise in urban areas. So the national climate and other outside factors that he's talking about, they're always there. And like we mentioned earlier, they're always going to impact crime. But what you hear over the years is that the emphasis the mayor gave to them really starts to change dramatically. Remember after 2003, when there was just 74 homicides, the mayor's all about what he can do to control crime. We are the number one, I believe, number one city mm-hmm. in the country um, in terms of our, our drop in crime. Uh, that is not a blip. But in January 2015, there's six people who are shot and killed in the city in a 12-hour span. It's a prelude to this ridiculously violent year. And Slay starts emphasizing outside factors. He points to things like Ferguson. Police have been tied up and uh, preoccupied with working, you know, special details and, and working real hard on addressing a lot of the additional uh, issues that came up as a result. And from August until earlier this month, the number of arrests in the city actually went down significantly while crime has gone up significantly. Or maybe the problem is with the state's lawmakers. It's too easy to get a gun, and state law makes it difficult to prosecute gun cases. There's little that we can do about that at the local level here in the city. Or perhaps it's judges. Nearly two-thirds of suspects convicted of gun crimes in the city walked right back onto our streets and with nothing more than a slap on the wrist. But as he's outlining everything that's working against him, the mayor is drafting what turns out to be his final crime-fighting strategy. The buck does stop here. Uh, And it does take leadership and it does take partnerships. And we're doing a whole heck of a lot of things. He calls it the PEER plan. He explains it in this 2015 interview. P-I-E-R, prevention, intervention, uh, enforcement and reentry. Now, what the PEER plan does is it focuses on 15 neighborhoods throughout the city. They'll get things like more police, but they're also going to get building and health inspectors, mental health services, probation and parole officers, recreation programs and cameras. And if you're thinking that this sounds a little bit familiar, it's basically hotspot policing, so it should sound familiar. It's the idea of weeding out the bad guys while trying to make life a little better for the good guys. Now, the mayor says that 2016 data show crime in 10 of those 15 peer plan neighborhoods has gone down. So that means in his mind, the peer plan so far has been a success. But not everyone agrees. When I read it, it was just I couldn't do anything but kind of just have like a smirk on my face. That's Sierra Simrel. Her family's been doing crime-fighting work in northwest St. Louis for 34 years, including in a couple of neighborhoods that are part of this peer plan. It was a lot of things that you really wanted that everyone's been waiting for for a long time now. I was just really hoping to get, I guess, more out of it just for the community, a part of that plan. So Simrel gives a couple of examples. She says that the officer assigned to her neighborhood has changed so often, she and other activists can't form good partnerships. And that's not the only thing that's missing. In North Patrol, anytime you could ride around all day long and not see a police car. Her outgoing alderman, Chris Carter, says that he's noticed this lack of enforcement, too, this lack of police presence. At a 2016 committee hearing, he called it a slap in the face to Simrel and the other residents of the 27th Ward. Right now, it seems as... Uh, when things happen in different parts of the city, when things happen uh, on the north side uh, or different parts of the south, uh, where a majority of black African Americans are, uh, we don't get that same uh, fight that other parts of the city get. 
At that same hearing, the alderman from the neighboring second ward, Dion Flowers, mentioned that wards like hers and Carter's, they don't see a big police presence. These are wards that are majority African-American. The people in my community, they want to feel safe, too. Uh, we had a lot of shootings. I just had a shooting on my street a week and a half ago. A man was shot at 30 times in his vehicle. I haven't seen the extra patrol. But in May 2016, a young mother gets carjacked and murdered in downtown St. Louis. And the neighborhood gets this major influx of officers. I mean, Chief Sam Dotson's even out there doing a footbeat on Washington Avenue. Deploying officers has never been the mayor's call with or without local control. That's Dotson's job. And Slay has been steadfastly loyal to Dotson. Remember, this guy is his former operations director. That's the case even in 2015. That's when I interviewed Slay as homicides were hitting their highest level in two decades. Does Chief Dotson still have your confidence? He does. Chief Dotson has my complete confidence. And this confidence troubles longtime Dotson critic Antonio French, the outgoing 21st Ward Alderman who recently ran for mayor. I feel like this chief's attitude is, uh, I got it. Uh, the police department is none of your business. Uh, and then when uh, his bad decisions uh, end up with bad results for the city, everybody is at fault but him. Uh, it's the judge's fault. It's the prosecutor's fault. It's uh, you know, three months ago or six months ago, it was the alderman's fault. There's no one holding Chief Dotson accountable. Heather Taylor is a Nightwatch homicide supervisor, a 17-year veteran of the SLMPD, and the president of the Ethical Society of Police, which has advocated for the interests of the department's officers of color since 1973. Taylor thinks the mayor's actually a pretty nice guy. She likes him personally. She thinks he has the back of police officers. But her organization really really doesn't like Dotson. We are tired. We're exhausted with some of the internal practices under Chief Sam Dotson. We're exhausted and we're upset. We feel undervalued as officers. The Ethical Society voted no confidence in Dotson in 2015 and then called on him to resign in 2016. Obviously, Dotson's resisted those calls. Taylor says one of the reasons they did this is a lack of diversity in important department positions. The most cr critical command rank position at, is lieutenant. And when 82 percent don't look like you, that sets the tone. And she also agrees with the alderman that we heard from earlier that the way the department reacts to crime can also set a tone. When uh, Brandy Hill was murdered downtown, he, the, the chief Dotson, did a footbeat. We've never seen Chief Dotson do a footbeat on North Kings Highway. I've never seen him do a footbeat on Jefferson in Utah. I've never seen him in these areas, so we're going to do it now because it's about, it's, it's, it's about politics. And when you start making crime about politics, you've already lost a battle there. Taylor says that with Dotson, Slade just basically put the wrong person in charge of this department. And that's one of the reasons that she'd give the mayor a D when it comes to crime and policing. And the only reason it's not a failing grade, not an F, is the fact that Taylor, again, likes the mayor personally. She thinks he's a nice guy. But if you go elsewhere in the city, that evaluation's a little different. I would give him a B. Attorney Mike Banahans lived in the St. Louis Hills neighborhood for 26 years, and he's been involved with the Neighborhood Association for 25 of those. St. Louis Hills, you sometimes hear it called the Ladue of the city. It's predominantly white, fairly well off, and overall really, really safe. Most of our crime on the streets, on the particular streets, it involves car break-ins or garage break-ins. We also have Target in our neighborhoods, so we 
those numbers get enhanced a little because there's, you know, an occasional assault. There's some, uh, you know, stealing from Target. Banahan says in his view, the mayor really has tried hard to keep crime a top concern. I think that probably in some respects he's hamstrung by just resources. But I think the perception amongst many of the people in the St. Louis Hills neighborhood would be that we don't quite have the police protection that we would like to have. And that and that's not necessarily police answering these crimes. It's just more of a police presence, just to as a means of maybe preventing a crime. The department hasn't had a full strength of officers for years. Slay and Dotson want to at least get to that point, and then on top of that, add more officers. The chief and I believe we need uh, not only to ramp up to our authorized strength, we'd like to see about another 160 more cops. Part of the problem, as it always is, is finding money to pay for the new officers. But local control itself is part of the problem. That's according to Joe Steiger, the president of the St. Louis Police Officers Association. He says it's created this massive bureaucratic nightmare, a situation where the personnel director had trouble sending information about recruits to the department so they could start a class at the police academy. And, Steiger says, local control also didn't do what it was supposed to do for the city's budget. The savings that they were supposed to have that never came out was supposed to go into, into raising salaries. We're so far behind area police departments. Um, why come here when I can go to St. Louis County and start at $8,000 higher? If you ask Mary Ellen Ponder, one of the mayor's top aides since 2009, she'll admit that the administrative changeover that was part of local control didn't go as smoothly as the administration wanted it to. I look at it as a merger or as an acquisition. And if you look at major corporations that have gone through mergers and acquisitions over the years, it takes many years to, to really blend and become one family. But she says it did enhance the longstanding relationship between the mayor and the chief, and that made a big difference post-Ferguson. The conversations that I've had with the police chief and then the mayor's had with the police chief, the access that we've had to the department and how to get through those difficult times of officer-involved shootings has made a real difference. The biggest place that it mattered is this civilian oversight board. This is something that activists in the Black community and members of the Black Caucus at the Board of Aldermen have been demanding for years. It's a board where members review complaints of police misconduct and internal affairs investigations, including officer-involved shootings. A version of a civilian oversight board actually did make it to Mayor Slay's desk in 2006, but the mayor vetoed it, saying that a change like that required local control. The pressure to pass this oversight board, it ramped up again in a big way in 2014, which is when a series of officer-involved shootings rocks St. Louis. It starts with Michael Brown and Ferguson in August, and then two weeks after that was Kajim Powell in North St. Louis, and then in October, Vondrett Myers was shot and killed by an off-duty officer working security in the Shaw neighborhood. The suspect pointed the gun at the officer and fired at least three rounds at the police officer. At that point, the officer returned fire as the officer moved towards the suspect, the suspect Two months after Myers was killed, a bill to create the Civilian Oversight Board shows up on the agenda of the St. Louis Board of Aldermen. And then in January 2015, Mayor Slay came on St. Louis on the Air and highlighted the role he thought the Civilian Oversight Board could play in a post-Ferguson St. Louis. That's to help build a stronger bond and, and, and a better 
uh, understanding and also better relationship between the police department and the community it serves. Slay signed the bill creating the Civilian Oversight Board in April 2015, and its members accepted the first complaint in May 2016. Sierra Simrel, the neighborhood activist that we met earlier, she's also a member of the Civilian Oversight Board. And, I mean, just as far as police accountability, I mean, we have to, everyone is supposed to govern themselves accordingly. And in some cases, that hasn't been the situation. With Civilian Oversight Board coming into existence, I think that was the best thing that could have happened. Could it have happened before local control? Yes, it could have. So we still don't really know how well the COB is doing at living up to the mayor's promise. There were concerns, even when it was being debated back in 2015, that it wasn't powerful enough to make a difference and didn't have the authority to really do good investigations. The woman who filed that first complaint, her name's Clara Norris, she told me back in September that the process really didn't give her any closure. This is just my opinion. They don't really have the power to really get you know, to really get the kind of justice that I had hoped. There have been 34 homicides in the city of St. Louis as of March 28th that put St. Louis on pace for about 140 this year. Mayor Slay's track record with crime and policing is pretty mixed, but he's got a stronger record elsewhere, including as an advocate for the LGBT community. And we're gonna look into that next time on The Millennium Mayor. Want more on the Millennium Mayor? Head over to the website, stlpublicradio.org slash millennium mayor.